Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. Yeah, we've been training away and enjoying the fall and, you know, not super structured, but sort of keeping things rolling. Oh, you're keeping things rolling. I still have my big race of, or I guess it's not a big race, but like I still have a big race on tap. That's 70, true. 75 kilometers. And that's only three weeks away now. So that's getting a little, and even, a little close. Even pushing your Saturday volumes or big, big, yeah, a this, lot of 20 plus mile Saturdays. Yeah. This weekend's my last really big one before that race. So looking forward to kind of having this block over and yeah, kind of getting into the the real swing of fall, which always does feel you're right. A little more relaxed, a little more, you know, less, less structure. You're right. Well, we've spoke about it. You know, I, I look at that fall as a, it's a good time to mountain bike for fun and work on some skills. Maybe, maybe still do a couple of intervals, maybe a couple of fun races, but then I'm also trying to get ready, you know, strength training's more important and more consistent. Uh, I still find that for me that, you know, every, I, I do more like an easy strength. So five times a week about plus or minus, it depends a little bit with what training looks like and travel, but five days. So usually it's Monday to Friday, but sometimes I'll shift one of the days just to get a recovery day, uh, completely off and then have one on Saturday and then running for me coming back in, just getting ready for when the weather is going to be poor and, uh, yeah, if I, I still haven't decided if I'm going to actually do the, the running race or oh, not, dear Lord. back and forth. I mean, I feel like this is the kind of thing you caution clients it's about, true. but, uh, do now, as I say, not as I yeah. do, I suppose. So, um, so there you go. But now, so far so good with the running. So I'm gradually easing into it. To be fair, you do have enough of a running background that you are capable of doing this. No, well, I don't know about 75 K that's. Oh, no, you're not doing the 75 K. I don't know why you would even think that, uh, at any rate. Today is going to be a short episode because we are just really getting into some nuances around heart rate, just trying to kind of make this efficient. So definitely let us know uh, over, you know, on Consummate Athletes Instagram or whatever, if you like sort of these shorter Q&A episodes, that's really helpful information as we go towards fall and winter and sort of thinking about what we're doing. And submit a very specific question when you uh, say that you like that, that will be helpful as well. That would be helpful as well. Uh, But before we get into our heart rate things, just a quick word from our sponsor, which is AG1. So fall. I mean, this is like cold and flu season. And let me tell you, I get very stressed about my immunity. So having AG1 every morning to get those vitamins, minerals, probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogens, of course your, your greens, all of these micronutrients, all just in one shot, plus their vitamin D drops really makes me feel like I am a little bit more on top of just trying to keep my immune system as high functioning as humanly possible, especially on these weeks of, you know, doing 80, 90, a hundred miles. Well, and I'm excited. We're going on a bit of a week long trip here, visiting some friends, doing some mountain biking, watching some of the world cup mountain bike racing at Mount St. Anne. And I'm just excited. You know, we have these travel packs, easy to pack, very slim in the van, and we can just bring those pre, uh, pre portioned, uh, packages with us on the trip. Yes. So super convenient and bonus. If you sign up now, you actually get five free travel packs plus a one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin D. So take ownership over your health, head to drinkag1.com backslash Molly H. That's drinkag1.com backslash Molly H. We have that link in the show notes. I've actually heard from a few people. We have converted quite a few people to this being the only thing that they have in their supplement cabinet at this point, uh, which Love to hear because it's so easy to have that whole cabinet full. So keep your life simple, streamline everything. Definitely, definitely check out AG1. 
heart rate, heart rate, heart rate, heart rate. So this is actually a question I've been dealing with, with bicycling magazine a lot lately in some of the articles I've been doing where I'll be writing about zone two or zone three. And, you know, I'll kind of, I'll be talking about power, but then obviously not everyone has access to power or, you know, for some people their, their power and their heart rate zones, they're just kind of questioning, like, are they supposed to line up? Which are they supposed to follow in a workout? So I guess my first question for you, as far as these kind of like really specific heart rate nuances go is assuming we have power and heart rate, which one are we supposed to be following for a workout? I mean, obviously, ideally they're aligned and your zones are basically the same, but Mm. which do you stick with? Right. And you probably put feeling in there as well. Mm -hmm. um, Then there's sort of those three. And I think the best thing is to have all three, but indeed there's one should be sort of the leading metric depending on what you're doing. Uh, And again, some of this is philosophical. Some of it is situational. You don't have them all in all situations. Um, so I'm going to give you the, the like quick, Sure. I'll give you an example. Okay. So say I'm doing a 40 minute tempo, uh, interval mm. and I'm, you know, riding at say 180 Watts holding that steady. Uh, my heart rate is at, uh, 165. Uh, but suddenly I noticed that my, while my power is staying at that 180, my heart rate is creeping up to, you know, 170, 173, like we're getting, we're yeah. getting higher. What do I do? It's probably the most contentious one you could have picked. Uh, that good old middle ground. And and this is one, you know, you'd probably see it's contentious. So you're going to see both sides. So there's probably your power side of the world. I don't know if you call this Andy Kogan or whoever, you know, uh, I don't put words under their mouth, but if you're a power oriented person, you just do your zone three interval and you'd hold 180 Watts and you just ignore the fact that your feeling is, is increasing and it's becoming very hard. Uh, and, and then you might also choose to ignore the fact that your heart rate is becoming like race pace or threshold type heart rate. It's elevating as you hold steady power. Now, the other side of that a coin, and I would say this is like a Steve Neal, like, you know, sort of more physiological, uh, model, but again, I don't want to put words into anyone, but when we trained Steve and I, and and this is sort of that methodology where the, in tempo and endurance, you're using heart rate as the limit. And so what you're actually going to do is decrease the power until which time you've decided you've failed the workout, you know, or, or you've, that's sometimes hard, people don't like that wording, but you know, you've, you've decreased say five or 10%. And then that's the end of the workout. You've, you've challenged the system enough that that's the end of the tempo. And then what we would say is come back next week and maybe try again, and maybe you'd persist longer. And so we're trying to preserve performance longer and endure longer with stable performance. Right. Now, if you're noticing this is happening like fairly frequently, to me, that also is a signifier. Like once in a while, I mean, there's so many factors. You might be getting a little sick. It might be super hot out. There might just, you know, there's so many different things that can mm-hmm. cause your heart rate to be doing a little, a little wacky stuff. But I do think if this is happening every time you do a tempo ride uh, or every time you're doing intervals, it might just be that your power is actually set too high. Because to me, I, like, while I think power is the objective measure, like the most objective measure you can have, heart rate is actually more of the dictator of like, is your body actually doing the thing? Sure. Sure. And I I do think the feeling's important. Like we used to do these big, long tempos and, you know, it just eventually it would start feeling like you were racing and it's sort of like that endurance, maybe you could call it your aerobic threshold would increase so much that it was really close to your your threshold. And so like, you're actually going quite hard and the fatigue is building, but then you might not even see 
you know, your heart rate might start being depressed. So it might actually not even be uh, indicative, but then the feeling is just like, (laughs) it feels like you're racing. Uh, but then you're also sort of slow, like you can't accelerate over that. So that's more on the macro, like, you know, you might see that adaptation. I think if you were looking for like a short answer, you could put in a magazine. I I would say that like anything that's more endurance oriented. So probably under that zone three in the, the five or six zone model, uh, under that tempo range, I would go guide it by heart rate. So in heart rate, I I would probably use like an 85% or an 83% we sometimes used of max heart rate. And then just let the power be what it is and then just track that and you should see that that improves or that you can hold it for longer uh once you get into like harder stuff then i would use either power or feeling uh so you might do threshold intervals zone four intervals uh in the five or six zone you might do those like two by 20 at your threshold 300 watts um and then you would just hold that and ignore like i don't think you'd ever really even you could you could look at heart rate afterwards but i wouldn't necessarily um and then if you were doing like a VO2, you know, zone five or, you know, just hard stuff, then I would just do it by feeling like get up the hill as fast as you can. And again, you can track performance, but that could be time on the segment or the hill. Uh, it could be power and how that's changing. But I would say with those, you sort of just are in there and, and finish the set. And that's the goal. The guidance there is finish. If it's five by three, finish five by three. So, okay. Love so, it. Love yeah. it. Now, the caveat to all of this that we probably almost should have started with is so many people now have, whether it's an Apple watch, a Garmin, a court, like any of these fitness watches that are actually tracking heart rate or any of these straps or rings or whatever. And a lot of them now can sync to your cycling computer. Uh, so I know this is something you've talked about with your clients a lot of the time, while those met, like while the heart rate tracking on the watch, you know, during the day, like as you're just kind of going about your day, you know, maybe even during your sleep, any of that kind of stuff, probably pretty accurate. But when it comes to in workout, mm-hmm. um, A, I would actually really recommend when you're riding not to be wearing a watch just from a simple, like if you have hand numbness, often like there is something that's caused by, you know, when you have your hands at this angle and you have like a watch on, you know, we talk about gloves can even cause like the hand numbness. I mean, just, let alone the tan you're going to get. Oh yeah. yeah. The tan yeah. is just oh, bad. Uh, so yeah, kind of speak to the, the actual like good data in terms of heart rate. Yeah. My experience still is that that stuff, especially for smaller people, if you have a bony wrist, uh, you know, it just doesn't measure very well, uh, exercise heart rates. And when stuff's jiggling around, you know, as it would be with a run or a bike and, and your experience could be completely different. You can do whatever you want, but my suggestion to clients is that we use heart rate straps, the good old heart rate chest strap. And then we also are flexible that, you know, there's obviously certain body types. There's people who wear, you know, different clothing that doesn't jive with that, you know, bras, obviously like there's two straps. I don't, it would be quite uncomfortable. Um, so, so we deal with recommend, by the way, if you are a woman cyclist who can get away with, like, I use a very, very soft bralette when I ride because of that, because that way it doesn't have a bottom strap. So that way, when I have the heart rate strap on, that's the only strap in that area. Right. Um, I know it's very easy to end up with like ultra compressive bra, ultra compressive heart rate strap, you know, then you have like the bibs and the, yeah, basically this is why we can't breathe on the bike. And this will keep evolving. I am confident that we will get, you know, a consumer product that's accurate. Like that's sort of the balance. Like I think this, I said to you the other day, like, I think if you had a billion dollars, you could make a a device that worked well, but it's like when you're trying to make a hundred dollar wristwatch for someone that's going to measure, it's just hard to have hardware that's good enough. Uh, but that, that will evolve. And I do think there's some of the armbands. That's what I was just going to say. And again, it sort of makes sense to me. Like I am not a tech 
person at all, but like, it makes sense that there's more tissue up there and, and, you know, that we can maybe get a reading and, and you know, just a bigger, uh, diameter. Well, and it's moving much less on the bike. Possibly, right? possibly, well, certainly on the bike. Yeah. And maybe jiggling around just less than it might jiggle around on your wrist, right? If you just think about how much your watch moves on your wrist, it just, to me, doesn't make a lot of sense. Again, your mileage may vary, but for if you're really going to be in on heart rate and doing heart rate training, I think, you know, we'll stick with that gold standard of the thing over top of your heart versus something that's like at distal, you know, away from the actual heart. Like that's right. the chest strap is on top of the heart, right? Like it's sort of yeah, yeah. right we'll, on the thing. We'll put a couple links to the ones that we like that we use uh, in the show notes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's whole different ones, but yeah, that, that's the rough guidance. And again, if you're, you're, you just don't want to get frustrated or, or get misleading stuff. We, you referenced, we won't name the product, but it, the world cup mountain biking, uh, I think it was puck Peters or something. They keep referencing her heart rate on the start of the race. And she's a young woman and, and they're saying like her heart rate is 142 beats. And then there's a kind of an awkward she's, pause. Yeah. She's been going super hard up a hill for three minutes while being chased by the hundred of the fastest women in the world. And it's like, there's no possible way this person's heart rate is 140 yeah. and just staying steady. Uh, and so there you go. You can look that up. Uh, but I thought that was a great demonstration. Mm -hmm. Now, the other variable about heart rate is it is not the same throughout our entire lives. So this is a question that you got from a client recently. Um, just kind of, you know, heart rates changing over the years, your max heart rate's going to change, like sure. all of that stuff. So kind of speak to the so, good, the bad. Oh, and it's also going to change with fitness. Well, of course. Yeah. And that's the one I like, but you know, we all know that 220 minus your age, you've probably heard that to predict your max heart rate. It doesn't really work super well on the individual level because there's so much variation. But if you wanted to bet, like the way, the, what that's meant to say is that if you take a bunch of 40 year olds and you guess that their heart rate's 180, you're probably pretty close on most of them, but you're going to have a couple that are like, can hit 200 plus a couple that are, for some reason, their heart rate's 150 is their max. And, and I see this with clients, right? Uh, I happen to be just about 40 and my max heart rate is probably 182, but it's been 182 to 186 for 20 years. Uh, and, and the story I told clients is after I did a few years of you know, thousand hour, like big, big volume years, I actually saw a drop from maybe 196, 197 down to 185, 186. And then it stayed there for, like I say, for quite a number of years. And then in the last couple of years, it's been, you know, a couple beats lower. Um, and, and why did it drop? Like, it, it's really just that, like, there's a stimulation, the heart grows. And these are these structural adaptations. They doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't probably even like months. It doesn't happen. It, this is like years of training consistency and volume drives a lot of this, uh, adapt the heart adapts. So the heart gets bigger. It can pump more blood, but then it also loses some ability to, or, or it doesn't, it's not required to beat as fast, right? right to get right. the same. And, and that's sort of the idea is that it, it's sort of like cadence, right? You can push down really hard on your cranks and you can pedal at a, a cadence. So if you do a hundred RPM and you push down this hard, then you get this many Watts. The heart is sort of similar in it's cardiac output that it can do a certain number of beats. And then it has a stroke volume. So the amount of blood, every beat that gets pumped out, and then that's your cardiac output, which is then fed into, this is your VO2 max. And these things sort of derive from how much blood that that pump can put through the system. Sure. Sure. So does that make sense? So it, as you get older, again, we start losing the ability for that heart to beat as fast. Uh, and there's a whole other world of stuff there. We don't need to go into, but that we sort of understand that like one, 220 minus your age, did I say 180, 220 minus your age. Uh, and then also with fitness, we generally will see the heart get bigger. So then you also see a bit of a decrease often 
uh, or, or just preservation, like uh, this may not change at all. And you may actually keep your heart rate up higher by training for longer. Right. 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 Yeah. Okay. Love it. Love it. But, but I how... guess, sorry, the key thing then though, is that the max heart rate doesn't go up as you get fitter. Like that, that would be all right. Like there might be like a situation where that could happen, but like it would, it's, it's not really. So as you get fitter, you don't hit higher heart rates. You, you right. push more power yeah. probably at about the same heart rate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so with the, with the getting older, getting fitter, like both sides of that, how often do you think you should be like reassessing your heart rate zones, especially yeah. as they relate to power zones? Like it probably doesn't need to be a yearly thing unless there's something major that happened in that year, Yeah, but probably every few years. Cause even if you think about the age, like the 220 minus your age. So every five years, that's a change of, you know, could be five beat. I think when we're speaking to adults, like, I, I don't know that I'm going to encourage you to go out and just like test your max heart rate. Uh, if you're racing and you're following a good training plan, there should be times in the year, usually where you either are doing like a, a hard test or, you know, for me, it's always that test is that like hot race in July when everyone's watching and the title's on the line. Uh, and, and you try and send it right. And that's usually this year didn't work out actually, cause it was really muddy and cold and like lower RPM and not, you know, it wasn't like the race of my life. Whereas the year before was like quite a vigorous race, very competitive, very hot, um, you know, higher cadence cause it was dry conditions. Uh, so you typically, anyhow, that those are sort of all those stars should align. And that's, I think a good situation where like, you're not hitting max heart rate every day. Um, uh, that wouldn't be a good plan if that right, makes sense right. you should have enough fatigue in your body a lot of the year that like you don't you know and then also you're just not maxing out we'd believe that you know you don't max out you save it yeah yeah save it right does that answer that yeah i think so so i think like if you haven't checked in on your your heart rate zones in quite a while it might be time to just not saying you have to go test them just mm. maybe take a look at them and sort of see like do they still make sense and again most people that are listening to this are, are going to be doing there there might be somewhere someone i would say like you have to go in and do a five or a 20 or you know figure it out some people you know i just did this the other day someone said oh i think i need to go and, and i'm like okay you can confirm it i guess and, and i would just gradually ramp that up right and it's so you got to figure out a way that to like get the heart rate. So you have to warm up really well and then, you know, sort of figure out the way that you're going to really ramp that heart rate up. And, and sometimes it can be fun, right? You've been focused on power or something and you just keep trying to watch the heart rate and keep pushing it up. Um, it can be dangerous, I guess, too, in some ways. All that to say, the way I would look at it is I just look at all the data. If you have a nice data pool, you can have a graph of your peak heart rates. We look, you know, say five second peak, and you can look at the last two years, year, 28 days, 90 days, uh, and just get a feel for like, what is the person hitting and almost without fail, like most people, like it's, you know, this is what they've hit in the last two years. And then it's usually within a couple beats for the last, you know, 90 to 180 days, if they've done any sort of racing or competitive group ride or testing, you know, most people are doing something. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think we will wrap up there, but definitely, like I say, if you like this shorter format, definitely head over to consummateathlete.com or at consummateathlete on Instagram or drop us a rating, review, a comment here on YouTube, any of these various modalities of getting in touch to let us know if you like this shorter form, if there are certain questions you have. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in and we will see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox.